And we welcome you into a Thursday edition of Morning Drive, off and running live here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Nikhail, Braden Gall, Derek Mason, Marquise Munson with you on an action-packed show where I'm just going to take a guess here. We're kind of ticked off for greatness today. What's your favorite candy, guys? What's your favorite candy? Let's do a candy draft. Let's talk only about candy today. Because well, every other stick to sports. Every other radio show in the history of radio shows is going to talk about candy today. No, Co- no, I'm going to talk about Baker Mayfield and Steph Curry. Coming up at eight Series. o'clock, we will play trick or treat in the world of sports. Who's been a trick so far, and who's been a treat? <laughs> Stay tuned. What's your favorite costume? Shut up. Who's the scariest athlete of all time? I'm already yeah yeah. See there you go. That's four straight cliche, hack radio cliche topics that we will not be doing today on the show. And we are not dressed up in costumes. No, either. no, I'm not dressed up like an idiot. I will dress up like an idiot with my children later tonight. Exactly. <laughs> and then our wives will call us idiots, well, and that, our children will call us idiots. That happens regardless of our attire. Exactly. Busy show today, but let's actually start off because we're loaded today. So much to get to. Uh, Smashville Live last night? Yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, thanks to everybody that came out, of course. Love it when, when, when we get to do these with the players. Ryan Johansson, Colton Sisson's great about it yesterday. Took a shot at the Blackhawks, which I liked uh, from Colton Sisson's there. Um, Johansson had uh, obviously his, his typical usual, you know, <laughs> he's... He he's I feel like he's a I can't believe I'm about to say trickster. I didn't really want to say that, but like it's kind of what he is. Um he just likes it when everyone else is a little uncomfortable and off. He's just kind of a jokester. So, uh, always fun hanging out and and getting a chance to talk with him. I did get some interesting insight, not into the Preds. Uh <laughs> into what they're doing or how they're playing. They're they are very confident and um there is a, an added um as we talked about I asked them last night about sort of the locker room and the personality of the locker room and does it feel different than last year? And, and everybody I've talked to about this so far this year has agreed that there's a very different, renewed sense of purpose, mm-hmm. um, that they are angry about last year. They're playing with way more confidence than they have in the last few seasons. And, and a lot of it's attributed to the lack of success the last couple of years, meaning getting bounced in the playoffs. So I, I think that, that they both echoed those sentiments last night. Uh, but more importantly, uh, I found out officially from the source, I, I asked Ryan Johansson, um, what is the appropriate name to use when doing a post-game interview with you? Should somebody use Joey in a post-game interview? And, and of course, Chase McCabe was standing like five feet away. So, so, so I said, Chase McCabe would like to know. Um, and uh, they all, they, you know, everybody clearly knows who Chase McCabe is. And Ryan kind of like sits back. He like looks at Chase and he looks back at me and he's like, yeah, I think Ryan's okay. I think you should call me Ryan. <laughs> so he wasn't intimidated by Chase's no, presence? No, not at all. Okay. Are, are you kidding? Just check. Uh, have you seen his his clothing this morning? <laughs> um, no, I, I think – but I think it's official, though. You you have to call the players by their first name. I think that's official. And, and it's, in an actual moment of seriousness, there there was a conversation between – because I was just a, a radio host in this moment. The other three guys are, are hockey players, right? Colton and Ryan, but Hal Gill as well. And so they get into a conversation. Skillsy, of course, is a nickname. For those that don't know, he got the nickname because he wasn't very skilled at handling the puck. And so he, at first he kind of hated it, and then he's kind of grown into it. Now he loves it. Um, Colton Sissons is called Dougie by a lot of his friends and family and, and, and teammates because that's his father's name. But that's not one that you would ever... I've never heard that until now. Yeah, and like he, like I, I knew that about him, but it's not something that, like I registered, and and he would not expect anyone in the media to ever call him that. He'd be like, he would, he would, he says, you know, I'd probably be taken off guard, and I'd pro- I might say something to you like, hey, don't, don't, don't call me that. And 
Um, so it was, you know, we had a little fun with Chase McCabe standing five feet away, uh, <laughs> making sure he's learned his lesson. I think he comes up to me after the show, McCabe does, McAbabe, and he's like, you know, I don't call anybody by their nickname anymore, right? And I'm like, I, yeah, I know, Chase. That's because we've we've trained it out yeah, of you. Yeah, <laughs> we, we stopped that right do now. Do you see the point now? Exactly. Like, do you get it? So he's better. Yeah, he's, he's growing he, as a professional. I know, I'm so proud of our little guy. There you go. You well, know? see, you and were now he's proud. Got his whole radio show. You were proud you until know? until Channel Four was on this oh, morning about man. 20 minutes ago, where he's with Joe Dubin at a Halloween costume store. Dressed up like in, a female in, in Antioch. He he told me he was going to be doing some morning TV and and that I should check it out. And I was like, oh, okay. And he just like went in one ear and out the other. Um, no, you showed me a picture of him this morning. I did not know it was him. Mm-hmm. You you were like, look at this. And I was like, what? Why is some weird guy dressed up as a chick? At a, at he a will no longer store? be known as Chase to me. He's now known as Charlotte. I was going to go with Christine, Charlene. Yeah, those are all good. Those are all good ones. What about you, Marquise? What could he you, could he pull off call, a Kathy look? Can, can we is all call him? Can we all call him something different? Wait, was he a character? Was he just a character off Scooby Doo, or was he like legit? He like was just th- a was regular Thelma? person. Yeah, that's what he looked like to me. That's true. That is a Thelma look. Jesus, Thelma was like the brainiac one, right? Like the nerd. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Was Daphne the uh, the the hot one? Yes. Yeah. I was a big fan of Daphne. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Was. But I'm also a nerd. I had a soft spot in my heart for Thelma. I mean, just imagine, though, waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go on the TV and dress like a female. You know, not that I'm, you know, stereotyping or anything, but uh, you do you, Chaser. Well, I didn't notice I, it until the camera, like, zoomed down, and I was like, oh, okay. I was like, Chase is dressed up. I don't yeah. know what he is, but I, he's dressed up. Oh, he has a skirt on. Okay. I, don't have, I don't have any problem with people dressing up as women or men. Like, I don't care about that. That's opposite sex. Have fun. The, the costumes are so ridiculous these days. Like, it, it's... It's absurd. Um, I, yeah, if I could look like Beyonce, I would look. Maybe like I'll go as Mrs. Doubtfire. Go for tonight. it. You get a lot of drinks tonight. <laughs> I mean, I probably would. <laughs> All right. Hello. Yes, melting like a snow cone in Phoenix. <laughs> I could recite that whole movie too if you yeah, need me to. Uh, we could. We could try. Yeah. Uh, I need to blow it was a gasket. Drive by fruiting. Well, what I witnessed last night was just awful. Oh no! It was one of the worst managed games since Grady Little. With the Boston Red Sox. Because of one decision? Because of one decision. But it's not just that. The, the fact that you could lose four straight games in your building in the World Series when you were like 60-21 and 21 in the regular season yeah. is just unfathomable to me. Like I, I, I'm watching that game last night, and Zach Granke, I even tweeted, I said, Zach, I've never asked you for anything in my life. <laughs> but please wait, wait, tell everybody why you are now upset. Okay. This is why I don't gamble, because so, I feel like it clouds your evaluation. Yeah, I bet on the Astros to win the series, minus 225 to win 100, so a little over two and change to win a, to win a dollar, basically. And I, said, I put out a tweet, I said, Zach Granke, I've never asked you for anything in my life. <laughs> you have not been good in the playoffs. I'm asking you for one night to be an ace. Your colleague, Justin Verlander, can't do it. Your opponent, Max Scherzer, has been fabulous all postseason long. Give me this one moment. So what does Zach Granke do? Zach Granke pitches six innings, gave up one hit to Juan Soto, who's going to be an absolute stud. One yeah, hit. Yeah, okay. One hit. He's got a ton of personality, too. Like He's yeah. a really, really interesting cat. And, and they had Scherzer on the ropes multiple times last night. Three different innings, runners in scoring position, multiple runners on base. And they let him off the hook. They only were able to get, I believe, it was two runs. Let him off the hook. They let him off the hook, to quote Dennis Green. And then, with 74 pitches or 75 pitches, through six and a third, Granke gives up a home run. It's 2-1. And Hinch is arguably one of the best hitters in all of the planet. Yeah, and, I, and I, don't, I don't kill Zach Granke for that. He's been yeah. fabulous. Seventh inning, 2-1, you're still good. It, it's game seven. You know, there is no game eight. 
You're done for months. Garrett Cole's in the bullpen, by the Garrett way. Garrett Cole's in the bullpen. It should be all hands on deck. So you not only make a mistake by taking Granky out, because I think you panicked or you had a predetermined plan or you went with analytics or you went to your book or your binder or whatever might have been your reason of <laughs> you know, the, the way you did the way you, you, you did things the way you did managerial wise. So you make that change. You bring in a, a reliever. The floodgates open. And then it's pointless to bring in Garrett Cole. So it's just a collective effort where, like, I thought the Astros just blew that last night. I I think... I mean, credit to the Nationals. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's all fair, but a credit to the Nationals, too. They won five elimination games throughout the postseason. Um, it, it's it's a remarkable story to to be where the Nationals were so far down in the standings after 50 games. I think they were 19-31 yeah. uh, through the season. You know, you get rid of... Bright, like, And I tweeted this out. This is very unprofessional to me, sort of like getting really pissed off at a team when you lose money on them. Exactly. Uh, Nick? Uh, I, I tweeted out, I said, like, the radio host to me is like, congratulations to the Washington Nationals. You know, you deserved it. You won four games on the road. You beat Cole and Verlander three out of four times, which is just r- ridiculous. So you beat the, the best two pitchers or the best combo of pitchers in baseball three out of four times. You deserve the the series. But, like, the Mets fan in me is just going... Bryce Harper still sucks. <laughs> yeah, and now he's on my team. He's a stinking Philly. Like the fact that the Nats won the year after they got rid of Bryce Harper, just as a Mets fan, I very few times do I resort to like teenage fan Braden. Like where I go back to like being a sixteen year old. Go for it. Where I just am just ripping on a team, and and in this business, you don't get to do it very often. But like occasionally, and it's probably not healthy that other people's sorrow or whatever. Makes you just a little bit happier, but like oh, I revel in it. I know, I know, and 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 frankly, friends do this to each other, right? Like no, nobody's going to root for your team like less than your best friend, mm-hmm. right? Like your best friend's like, oh, I hope your team loses. Oh, they want you to die. Yeah. They want you in pain. And I have, I am. It makes there's there's no incentive for me to root for either team. Like, in fact, I should hate the Nationals as a Mets fan in my division, like you should as the Phillies. But the idea that Bryce Harper is on his couch last night watching his old teammates win a World Series just warms my heart. And that's not a healthy place to be. Mm-hmm. But, it, God, it, it just I was sitting there going, <laughs> Bryce Harper, you suck. I mean, I, I was thinking last night that Grady Little was was a terrible manager with what A.J. Hinch did. You have a, a pretty good analogy that you witnessed as yeah. a Dodger fan. Yeah, so basically what the Astros did is not learn the lesson from the Dodgers. They put in a closer that probably should have been another guy instead of the closer that they put in. We had in Kenta at one point instead of having Jansen. And instead of going to Jansen, they put in Joe Kelly. And first thing Joe Kelly does, two-run homer to Howie Kendricks. Howie Kendricks, two-run homer yesterday in last night's game. Well, so, who was the Dodger well, was manager? The Matting, was it Mattingly? It was the yeah. no, With Mattingly? No, no, Roberts. It, okay. Yeah, so it, Dave it, Roberts made that decision to put Joe Kelly in instead of putting yeah. in Jansen, yeah. and all of a sudden Kendrick Joe Kelly gives up a, yeah. a two-run homer to Howie Kendrick. Yeah, and Kendrick has that's two home runs and two elimination games, right? Late in both games, both seventh inning or later. Thirty-six-year-old um, Howie Kendrick. Yeah, just total resurgent career this year. Um, and he uh, listen, I, like I, again, I don't. The Will Harris move is the one that doesn't make sense to me. If you're going to tell me that the right move is to pull Zach Grinky out of the game, okay, I may disagree with you. But you've sort of gotten everything you can get out of him with Grinky, and and so I understand the idea that hey, we've got house money, we've gotten six and a third out of him, we've got mm-hmm. the lead, let's get him out of there. I, I I disagree with that, but I'm not the manager. Whatever AJ Hinch has a World Series championship, and they've got experience of being in the situation. It's the guy that you you've thrown multiple nights already. That's got a tire. You know, maybe he's got a t- more tired arm. Like, why are you going to that particular guy? Like, why is Will Harris the guy you're going to? So. 
Um, if if Garrett Cole was just down there for show, which could have been what it was, true, um, then that's fine. But uh, you know, as soon as you're closer, you, you know, Davinsky could have been a guy. I don't know if his arm is tired. Like, I, there's guys that have better stuff right now than Will Harris. So I don't. Mm-hmm. That that's a. Listen, Washington deserves to win the World Series. It was I, I've never seen anything like a four, a seven game series where every single road team won every single game. Yep. It, that's just that's beyond comprehension. Like it's it's tough to understand that. All right, it is morning drive. We are live from the wholesaling studio, powered by RumbleOn.com. Predators game day today as they take on the Flames tonight at Bridgestone Arena. The 49ers and the Cardinals tonight on Thursday night football. We've got Baylor, West Virginia, in college football. So a really good sports day. Again, we're back after this here on ESPN 1025 Game. 618, welcome back in Thursday edition. Morning drive, ESPN 1025 The Game. Nick Braden, D-Mace, and like Marquise. Hanging Stranger out. things. Hanging, like hanging out at Hawkins High School, yeah. yeah. I like that. Best show. That, it's, it's one yeah. of the best shows on television. And I well, there's, a four, there's a four coming out. I yeah. know, man. I'm excited about that. They announced that. that trailer really early. They didn't even show anything in the trailer. Not really. I don't care. I'm obsessed. Yeah, I'm I, I am too. I'm, sign me up. I'm in. <laughs> Here's what we have coming up on the show today. We will go behind enemy lines to Carolina. David Newton covers the Panthers. We'll get the Panther perspective on the Titan matchup on Sunday. He'll join us at 7 o'clock at 7.30 this morning. Coffee with the coach as we welcome in Dan Lambert, a.k.a. power problem, power play problem solution solver dude, who just I can't That's get enough of. It is. I totally name. screwed that up. Power That's the official play title. solver. Power play, play problem, problem solver person. person. Dude, dude coach. Yeah. P to the four. Yeah, P to the four. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. P4. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Yo, P4, what up? L-Dog, as you once said. <laughs> uh, Rex Road will join us. Hal Gill will join us as well. Uh, and we will keep you abreast to all the developments on Channel 4 this morning uh, as Chase McCabe continues to uh, basically so he's, end his own career. So he's been Thelma from Scooby-Doo and I believe now Little Bo Peep? As well, little, something on Little House on the Prairie now. Okay, that's okay. Is little Bo, little Bo Peeps not from Little House on the Prairie? Is she? Is she? I don't know. Mm. Hey, and everyone, please um, be careful. I mean, it's oh my a God. gridlock on twenty four um, going south. Um, it's a total gridlock. Nothing's moving really. Um, and then coming back into the city, forty puddles everywhere. Oh man, people hydroplaning. Be careful out there, please. That, that's literally the spot on the interstate. You can't see the water because it's dark. Yeah, that, that's literally the spot on the on the interstate. I was going forty east towards the airport when I hydroplaned and totaled my truck like a, like six months ago. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I drove about thirty eight uh, <laughs> on, on the way into the office this morning. White knuckling there, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So be careful. Two hands on the wheel. All right, so yesterday we had Adam Vingan on the show to talk Preds, and I thought he had an interesting little snippet in this interview. We're going to play you a clip of this. This was Adam Vingan on a conversation he had comparing David Poyle to Dan Marino. Take a listen. I was recalling a conversation I had with Eric Young, WWE superstar, big Predators fan. I talked to him this summer for a fun Q&A, and he referred to David Poyle respectfully as the Dan Marino of general managers. You know, a lot of accolades, a lot of regular season success, the winningest general manager in NHL history, but he has not won a championship. And if David Poyle retires without one, despite everything he has done, that's what's going to stick out. Okay, so that was Adam with us yesterday making the David Poyle-Dan Marino analogy, and I don't think that part is fair. I think when you look at it this way, David Poyle, he's not a player. 
you know, he buys the groceries. It's now up to the chef, Peter LaViolette, and his servers that serve the meal on the ice every night to win a championship. If you want to make the analogy that Pecorine is like Dan Marino, great in the regular season, stats, accolades, awards, no championship, I'll buy that. I don't buy David Poyle from a front office general manager role as a comparison to Dan Marino. Um, I can see where he's going with that, and he's absolutely. I think he's right. Um, but I mean, he could he could have said either you know Dan Marino or whoever the Bills, because Marv Levy wasn't the GM; he was just head coach for the Bills. Um, whoever the Bills were when they went to the four Super Bowls. Um, they had all this regular season success, playoff success, but ultimately they didn't win a Super Bowl, period, in four tries. Um, you can kind of compare him to that. I don't see there being anything wrong with, with the Dan Marino comparison. Um, you know, yes, he's not a player, but he has a hand in putting it putting together all of this talent. And, yes, he's the winningest GM in NHL history. So he has all these accolades behind him. Um, but the one accolade he doesn't have that I know he covets more than anything is a Stanley Cup. And, you know, I mean, you can compare him to Charles Barkley or Patrick Ewing, um, guys that had Hall of Fame careers. Don't talk about But Patrick, then uh, end up, you know, not, you know, that, that championship is elusive to them. Carl Malone. Um, Carl Malone, same way. That, that championship, John Stockton, that championship has been elusive. Um, so there's nothing. I, I see where you're coming from because he's not a player. I just feel like as sports fans, we always say a great player didn't win a championship. A great head coach doesn't have a championship. Andy Reid gets killed all the time, especially by Eagle fans. Yeah, you're great, but you don't have a Lombardi trophy. I don't ever recall anybody railing on a great general manager for not winning a championship as a front office guy. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right about that part of it, but I, I still think the comparison is pretty good. Who's the greatest quarterback to never win a Super Bowl? Like who? Who's in that conversation? Oh, it's Marino. I mean, it's Kelly, it, Philip mm-hmm. Rivers, Rivers. But I mean, you start the conversation with Dan Marino, right? Sure. I mean, he may not be the answer to the question. Right, right, right. You, could, you could probably make a case for a few other guys, but he's in the conversation, right? As arguably the greatest quarterback to never win a Super Bowl. So if he's the greatest of whatever to never win whatever, then I I, I think the comparison is pretty is pretty fine. But but it is interesting. We don't sort of hold general managers to the same standard. And it's because all the work they do is behind the scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Like they don't, you know, a coach speaks to the media a lot, makes calls on the sidelines. We can be critical of Mike Vrabel in the moment, right? Like we've done all season. The quarterback is certainly the star of the team that everybody loves and pays attention to and is obsessed with, or the goaltender in hockey, you know, the greatest goaltenders to have never won a, a cup or whatever. That list is interesting. So you, you know, you always are going to, fans are always going to love the players first. And then, you know, coaches are sort of another tier down, but. In college athletics, for example, the coaches are gods. Mm-hmm. Like, they, like you know, it's why you can get away with literally awful things on college campuses when you're a coach. I don't mean personally. I mean, there's a system in place to where corruption takes place on Penn State's campus or on Baylor's campus or Florida State's campus or pick a campus. I'm not picking on any particular one thing. Nick Saban could get away with whatever he wanted to on Alabama's campus and he would be insulated. I'm not saying he wants to. You get the point. I... I I think David Poyle belongs in the conversation for greatest GMs to have never won a cup. If you're talking NHL general, general managers, he's probably at the top of the list, right? Just like Dan Marino mm-hmm. might be at the top of the list for quarterbacks. So I think from that sense, I would I would agree with the comparison. So uh, the the GM was John was John Butler 
Bill Polian was right before him, I believe. Um, and Bill Polian helped put that together. And then um, John Butler came in, and I think that's when they went to the four straight Super Bowls. And when you lose four straight Super Bowls, I don't think you ever become a GM again. <laughs> so, but you know, the, fur- the, the further um, you get away from that, though, the more amazing it is. No, like, I the mean, accomplishment it's, it's a, itself it's a, is so it's impressive. A amazing accomplishment. But with all of that, the Bills, when you think of greatest teams of all times, yeah. you really don't, the Bills don't come to mind. Now, if they would have won the four straight Super Bowls, they would have been the greatest team of all time. If they had won one of they the four. They would have been mentioned. But if they would have won all yeah. four, they would have been the greatest. They would have been the greatest dynasty yeah. of all time. Um, and that's sort of, you know, probably the it, greatest dynasty that never was. Well, no yeah, one's ever. They won, were. No yeah. one's ever won three, right? right. No one's ever won three no. in a row. Nope. Right. No. I mean, Cowboys won three in I four mean, years. Steelers basketball, won four. Basketball, yeah, but not. But we're talking football. Like, football, no. Nobody ever won. Steelers won four out of six, right, in the seventies. Dallas won three out of four years. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I mean, is it fair? Um, I don't know if it's fair or not, but you know, I like, know I'm, just, I'm just wondering if if there's any Preds fans out there that because I don't look at it this way. Like, mm-hmm. do you still feel like yeah, clearly there's one thing he needs to check off on his to do list, and that's win a Stanley Cup. But as I said yesterday, you can lead the horse to the water, you can't make him drink. Like you know, David Poyle can't physically get on the ice and be the difference in this team. So I'm wondering if Preds fans say, "Yeah, I love David Poyle. He's the greatest in the regular season." But I think it's because he's the common denominator in all this. He's the guy that has been here the longest. He was here when the team first got here, and he's still here. So he's been through the transitions. They only had two coaches, but he's been through the transitions of, uh, of the two coaches and the multiple players and making trades to bring guys in to better your team and huge you know, moves. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it, it, again. Is it fair? No. Um, I don't, you know, it's not, but it's sports. And, you know, if if you're that good, at the end of the day, people want to look at it and say, did you win a championship? Yeah. Player, yeah. coach, GM, it doesn't matter. D- if you were that good and you were amongst the greatest of GMs or players or coaches, people are going to say at the end, did you win a championship? But shouldn't general managers – like this, the evaluation be skewed towards the regular season. Like yeah. just, just in general. Like I, I'm not saying like we all are. Ju- like to Derek, to your point, everyone's judged by the championship. Yeah, like, I like, think did, that's fair. Did you win a cup? Did you win a Super Bowl? Everyone's judged by that. There's no question. Even like the trainer, right? Like even you know Scott Cochran is judged. You know, like he's held to a standard at Alabama. Like, did you win a championship? I get the championships are how we define everything, but if you build a team that is so good that they win a President's Trophy. Like you've done your job. That's that's the whole crux of my argument. Like you you've done your job. Even dating back to yesterday. No, your job doesn't stop then. Yeah, but you don't you can't do anything to the team. Like, like when the said, playoffs start, David Poyle can't make any transaction. Can he but can't it, make a trade. But, he can't do a contract. But What's he going to do? He can bring, he, he can call up a guy. Maybe he sits in the, still, he sits in a box like we do. You're absolutely right. But his job doesn't stop when the regular season stops. No, it I know. Doesn't. I know. His job continues um, because either he's making a deal at the end to make sure they win a cup. Or he's not making a deal. He he believes in the team that they have on on the ice. What do you They're mean? You can't to, make a trade after the trade deadline. No, I'm saying. What I'm saying. I'm not saying. Like oh, he's right getting ready before. for the draft. Yeah, and all yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah. He's evaluating the, uh, yeah. constantly. I'm saying yeah. it, 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 it. But he can't job, help the team win or lose on the ice. His, well, I mean that in that moment, I mean, like he in can't. that moment, he can't. I mean, it, it it is what it is. He can't really. He can't after after the season when the season starts. 
he really can't do anything other than maybe bring a guy in here and there, but then that stops to a point. But, you know, he's just like the head coach. Listen, I, I'm, I've am i done my job. The head coach has done their job. Now the players got to do their job. All these guys, if, if they're considered the greatest, they're going to be looked at based upon how many championships. Is it fair? Probably. Uh, probably not. But all players don't get judged that way. Only the head coach, the quarterback, goaltender, and, starting, and you know, the GM. So it's the goaltender, the head coach, and the GM. That's that's it. They're, those are the only three people that get judged really by how many championships did you win. They're going to look at that, David. How many championships did you win in the He only yeah. needs to win one. Yeah. He only needs yeah. to win one. He's been the one. He's won a president's trophy. He only needs to win one. Once he win, wins one, He's done. He's considered the greatest GM ever, Probably. hands down. Nobody, you can, you can't say anything else about him. Because Laviolette got his ring, right? Yeah, that, that, like Lavi got his ring, and that's what makes it a championship caliber coach. Yeah, you know? like you get that ring. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. The number if you want to jump in. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. We will come back. Take your calls on the David Poyle front, but also yesterday uh, Jeffrey Simmons was on with Darren Donick and Chase. I got a question for you guys regarding something that I have coveted for a while here in Tennessee. We're back after this on Morning Drive. It is Morning Drive. Good to have you back in live here on a Thursday, a very ugly, dreary, rainy Thursday. I mean, the we're right off of Murfreesboro Pike, and, and the roads are all backed up. I mean, it's a total disaster out there. Is Arthur yeah, Smith conducting it's traffic? Bad. Um, wow. Uh, get off Arthur Smith. Come on, man. That feels a little low. So, uh, that feels no, a little, it's, a little it's, low there. My bad. You're right. <laughs> it's bad. People need to be careful. It's raining. You can't see those puddles. And people are trying to get get to work. And now you have whatever happened on the freeway. It's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, what happens on freeways, they kind of filter off to the side streets because everybody's trying to get off. So be careful. So yesterday, Titans rookie defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons was on with Darren Donick and Chase. And look, you know, in the little sample size that we have seen of Jeffrey Simmons, he has been a game wrecker from the jump. And I think that is a very encouraging sign. I don't think there's any doubt about it. John Robinson got the right guy where he got him in this past NFL draft. But let's take a listen. Here's Jeffrey Simmons on what it was like for the moment when he made his first big play. It was big, you know, um, especially the way that game was going. You know, it was a close game. You know, it was a great team that we were playing against. And, you know, we knew that, you know, they was going to keep trying to run the ball at us. So, you know, us being um, a great defense that, you know, we have, have a great defense here, you know, just not, you know, bagging down. We, I said we're going to defend every inch of grass. And, you know, that's what we did. And, you know, we came up with a great stop. You know, D-line did their job. Linebacker did a job. Secondary did a job. So, I mean, everybody played a big part in that. You you guys know on this show I've said for, for almost two years that I feel like the Titans need those true game changers, mm-hmm. which is why I wanted Amari Cooper. I wanted Antonio Brown. I've wanted all these different players that are just like the next, like not just the really good players, not just the buyers, but the true game wreckers. Mm-hmm. Either side of the ball. Do you guys think Jeffrey Simmons might be that guy? Um, if he continues to play the way he's playing, he, he's going to be that guy. Um, you know, you, you're talking about a guy, if not injured, uh, he's a top, you know, he could have been a top two, three, four pick, uh, definitely a top five pick, um, but he was injured. And people kind of passed on that because they were scared. Um, the Titans figured, hey, listen, we got a good defense. We don't need him right now. Um, we need him later. 
I think if the Titans were, you know, 25th, 26th, 27th in defense, they wouldn't have taken them because they need someone right now. But because their D-line, their defense is so good, they can afford to have him sit on the sidelines, rehab, and then when he comes in, he makes their defense better. He's not going to be the guy that kind of take a, 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 you know, a bad defense to make him make them good. No, he t- he took a really good defense and he makes them even better. Um, so if he stays healthy, man, uh, this kid he's going to be a dominant force. He will because right now. He's just a, and I don't mean he's this a, as no disrespect he's a uh, to him. Right he's he's a little fat kid right now on the playground, <laughs> just running around, knocking people over, you know, and everybody's like, whoa, slow down, man, slow down. You got to slow down. That's what he is now with a lot of talent. And then once he becomes a man next year, after all the weightlifting, whew, I feel for those guys in front of him, man, because he is going to wreak havoc. What do y'all think I'm going to say about Jeffrey Simmons? Yeah. What, what, you, what do you always say? I told you so. I told you so. No, I, I told that, you so. Whenever I ever said I told you so. <laughs> no, 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 not in those words. I've never but said that. But you will say. What I mean I is, mean, I always said this. No, no, no. What I mean is, is you loved them all, I'm, I'm all obs- last year. I'm no, obsessed yeah. with the guy. Like I've I've been obsessed with the guy since the beginning. I mean, he he was a freshman star at Mississippi State. Personal stuff aside, we understand that's a major issue, and we kind of put that aside. This was a five star super stud coming out of high school. He was a star from the the word go. At Mississippi State, again, to put the personal stuff, stuff aside for this particular conversation on the field. You talk about game wrecker, yeah. And and I don't, I don't care if this is the CFL, if this is NFL Europe, the Arena League. I don't care how good or bad your defense is. You take Jeffrey Simmons, like you, you take Jeffrey Simmons yesterday, today, tomorrow. You take him, and and I think it's it's. It, he, he, again, the knee injury is a, is a legitimate concern when he came out. I don't think anybody anticipated, myself included, nobody anticipated week seven. Like, nobody saw, you know, early October as a potential return for him. I think we, you know, even I was thinking, and I was probably on the more optimistic side of things, and I was still thinking, like, hey, if you can be back by November or December 1st, that would be considered a, a win. And, it, you know, for him to be back and to be playing at the level he's already playing at with two games of NFL experience coming off a knee injury in his rookie season, mm-hmm. it's just remarkable. Now, he has a support system on defense that helps him. He only has to play, you know, 18, 20, 25 snaps. He doesn't have, he's not being asked to do everything. Like, like Derek, like you were saying, if he was on a, a bad defense, he'd be asked to be doing a lot more. But but I don't care who you are. I don't care what sport you're. I don't know. I don't care what country you're in. I don't care what conference you play in. You take Jeffrey Simmons. You, you take that. I don't care if it's a three four or a four three or a Belichickian one one down lineman and ten dudes standing up. You take Jeffrey Simmons. You mentioned you know the off season coming up. He'll lift a ton of weights. He'll come back even better going through a true NFL off season. Just how big of a jump can you make? You know, for, obviously he had to go through rehab, so he was limited with what he can do. But you get through an NFL program, an NFL offseason of training and a regiment. I mean, is it truly night and day the next year? Um, yeah. If the guys, if the guy is a true player, you will see, uh, you know, a guy go from year one to year two. And from a physique standpoint, he is he starts to chisel himself out. Um, and and I think you know Simmons will be that guy. What is he twenty? One, 22 years, not even 22 years old, I don't think, 21, 22, somewhere around there. So he's still young. Um, you know, he's going to, because he wasn't able to lift the way he wanted to lift. He wasn't able to run the way he would accustom, he's accustomed to running um, in college. 
And now he's going to be able to do all of that stuff if nothing happens moving forward. If he walks away with no more injuries, he's able to go into the offseason, start his offseason early, get, get his trainer, um, and this guy's going to come back. He's going to put on about 10 pounds of muscle. Um, he's going to slim down a little bit. And he's going to be just a force to be reckoned with. Uh, he has a he has a he has a really strong lower body. You can see it. So that's going to be there. Uh, he reminds me so much of Fletcher. Um, you know, a big guy, lower body, a lot of strength in his legs. Um, he's going to be that guy. I'm telling you, when he comes back, he's going to be he's going to be a monster. 180 from what he was last year. I you know I would advise a man find you a really really good trainer. And as soon as the season's up, man, take a week off and get at it hard. Get your diet, get your diet right. That, that, yeah, I was just going to say it's season. a nutrition thing as well, yeah. right? Well, yeah, especially these, for, young, these, especially these for guys, young kids. I mean, these these young guys are. I'm pretty sure they're eating. They're, you know, eating they're going. Food. You know, they have their their nutritionist and and the Titans have one too. So it's not like he doesn't have. If he doesn't want to pay for one, he doesn't have one available for him at the facility. He has one, I'm sure. Um, yeah, he gets he, he once he gets all that right, he figures out how to navigate through the NFL. Um, he figures out his workout regimen. It's not like college anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a three hundred sixty-five, you know, seven day a week job, even in the off season, and he has to approach it that way. So when he comes back next year, man, he's 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 going to be a total one eighty from what he is now. Yeah, it's it's the level of self motivation in the off season that makes guys like you, Derek be great right is mm-hmm. that in college everything's kind of, like every day is planned for you right like every even in the off season mm-hmm. your schedule is planned your 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 class load your workouts your your training everything is planned for you even your meals and your supplements right are all mm-hmm. planned for you by like somebody in the facility well once you go to the off season in the NFL it's on you to be sort of self-motivated and self-driven to be a professional and again it's what made you so so good at what you did is that you you cared about it deeply from from the day the season ended um, listen, uh, you, you talked about, Nick, how Johnny Smith physically resembled a large version of Anquan Bolden. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, uh, he's in Dominican Sioux. That's what he looks like. Like that, his, his frame, his size, his arms, the lower body, sort of the build, how he walks and carries himself. I'm watching in Dominican Sioux, you know, against t- Tennessee on Sunday, and I'm going, that's what he looks like. He, he's 6'3", 6'4", 310 pounds of just, like, sheer beast like that's what he is and and it's only it's only going to get better if he, he has if he does what he's supposed to do in the offseason then he's only going to come back even better next year i would advise him to soon as the season's over call aaron donald and make a trip to spend at least two or three weeks with aaron donald whatever aaron donald's doing i want to be doing yeah go to phoenix arizona exactly. work out in the desert work, work out with aaron donald yeah. find out whatever he's doing i'm doing too mm-hmm. <laughs> 615-737-1025 is the number if you want to jump in on the conversation we got some really great audio today we found well i shouldn't say we one of our great listeners found a great gem of Derek mason and bill belichick we i mean there's just I can't believe that this audio existed and we've we were never privy to it. I mean, it's like the lost tapes. It's unbelievable. We're gonna play it coming up in a little bit. It's morning drive. We're back <laughs> after this on ESPN one oh two five the game. 
It is Morning Drive, 649 live here on a Thursday. Good to have you in. Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquise. We will go behind enemy lines coming up at the top of the hour. David Newton covers the Carolina Panthers. No relation to Cam Newton because Kyle Allen's the starting quarterback this week. Titans, Panthers, we'll get the Carolina perspective coming up in just about 11 minutes. But yesterday, uh, one of our devoted listeners and followers on Twitter of the show, Adam Polston, sent us a tweet with a video. Shout out to Adam. Yes. I, I, anytime you guys find gems, send them our way. In, in fact, we should turn this into a thing. Yeah. Find audio from NFL Films of Derek Mason yes. from his playing career and send it to us. If you can make our job easier, I'm all for it. And you did that, Adam, so congratulations. Now, you want absolutely nothing, but you got my respect. So, here is legendary audio. Un- just, I mean, nobody knew it existed. It was like lost tapes. It was like the O.J. Simpson, if I did it, confession tape that never was revealed until 13 years later. Except for it was, re- yeah, I guess yeah. it was revealed. Yeah, yeah, yes, uh-huh. with Soledad O'Brien. If I did it, this is how I would this do it. This is how I would have done R- it. Reminder, he allegedly killed two people. And here, Derek Mason, Bill Belichick, Patriots, Ravens. What was that, 2008-ish? I don't know if that Are you was still over there looking. That, that might have been 2010. 2010? It might have been 2010 or I'm trying to It was Baltimore at New England. It was either 2010 um or it wasn't 12 cuz I was already retired. It was 2010 cuz we okay. ended up we ended up playing them twice that year. Um in well, 2010, we ended up playing them twice. And you're sure this is um, from the regular season, not the... Yes, yeah, from the regular season. It's yeah. not from the... Uh, what you call it? They beat us... Ah, uh, <laughs> oh, man. They beat us They beat us 23-20 to 20 in Gillette. Then we came back and beat them 33-14. to 14. Uh, So, yeah, that was 2010. They beat us 23-20. to 20. So, Bill, y'all wasn't blowing us out. We were, we were headed down on the drive, I think. Okay. So, he, yeah, he does mention that. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. The greatest receiver in Tennessee Titans history and the greatest head coach in NFL history, Belichick and Mason, head-to-head. Let me talk after the game, all right? Just shut the f*** up. <laughs> Can you look at the scoreboard? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what point of the game it was. But yeah, that's the year they beat us twenty three to twenty. Were they up twenty three to three at some point no, or something? No, they were never up. Well no, big. just winning is yeah, enough to point winning, to the scoreboard. Yeah. Yeah. They were winning at the time. Um and they end up winning the game and then we end up coming back and just beating the pants <laughs> off of them in the playoffs. But then they that's all that you know, they won like eight Super Bowls, so it really don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Can we listen? Because I still want to know what you say first to him. I have that's the one thing I cannot understand. Uh, something about like I'm gonna be in your face all day, coach, or but they don't I mean something along those lines. Dean Coach Pease and I, we, we kid about that every time, you know, just about every time we see each other. Um and I go way back with Dean Pease. He was on the staff at Michigan State with um Nick Saban. Um, so I've been knowing Pease for a very long time. And, you know, it was Dean Pease and I that were kind of, you know, we weren't going at it, but it was kind of like this back and forth, you know, kind of humorous thing. And he talked you know, a little trash Bill, about Phil. It's okay. Bill had to interject himself because he knew it was true that I was just <laughs> killing him. Um, so legendary defensive coordinator Dean Pease. Yes. Maybe the greatest defensive mind of all time in Bill Belichick. Uh, 
and you were still getting yours. He couldn't stop. I mean, there's not many people that could stop me, man. Seriously, like, I was just I was a catching machine. Oh, not but you know the people. narrative. All, all, yeah. We always hear Belichick takes away your best player every week, but he couldn't no, take away D. Base. Couldn't take away me. I mean, I, I yeah, I got. They found a way to give me the ball. Let's just put you it had, that way. You had 10 targets, 8 catches for 100 yards in that game, if yeah. it's the game we're talking about, yeah, the 23-20 yeah. loss. Uh-huh. So I mean, only 12, yards, only 12 yards a catch, man. Come he on, could, dude. He couldn't, man. He, he couldn't stop me. So. Only 12 <laughs> yards? See, you didn't have enough dog in you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I need I more dog out of well, team. Well, you know what your problem was? You weren't fast enough after the catch. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't have did. the speed. He didn't. They, they, you know what? They didn't want me to beat him deep, so they played a lot of off coverage. <laughs> That's what they did. Can we Can we hear it uh, maybe like six or seven more times? <laughs> Is that possible, Marquis, that we can hear it like maybe 12 more times? Well, Fif- I got a quick question, Dave. What was your longest catch in that game? Uh. I don't know. It might have been that game. Might have been fifteen yards, twenty yards. It might have been twenty yards. And after you caught that, he was probably was, it was just a touchdown. Like, he probably it was, was just that was like, a touchdown. Oh, you Mason. Just, <laughs> <laughs> uh, according to the records, you did not score in that game. According to the records, that, that's not the game I didn't score in. Well, maybe there was a punt return, but no, no, in no, no, re- no. receiving, you did not. It was eight catches, hundred yards, no touchdowns. Okay, that was that must have been. Come the, on, Mason, no touchdowns. We who? played them three three years. We played them like three times in a row at Gillette Stadium. Who did you light up that day? Asante Samuel, Ellis Hobbs, who whoever was, who was, was in the, front of me. Oh. It didn't matter. <laughs> oh, my bad. Asante my Samuel, so excuse me, Hobbs. You know. Calvin. I don't Calvin Johnson. <laughs> I don't know Munson. Whoever they put in front of me. I still can we hear the very first line? Like I want to know. I, I have no idea why I'm obsessed with this. I can't explain it. Well, did I listen to it thirty times? I know. Year? I want to know what you're saying to the Patriots sideline first. Like, what's the very first thing you say to get Bill Belichick so pissed off? Like something like I'm like get get at my face all day, coach, or I'm gonna be in your face all day, coach, or something. I have like no that. idea what I say. I mean, clearly all day and about how you are dominating. I think they've clearly. been in my something. I don't know. They've been in my face all day because he, you're right. Bill Belichick does an excellent job at whatever your strength is. Your best player, he finds a way to to make that a negative. He finds a way to yeah. take that person completely out of the game, um, unless you're <laughs> me. And then he can't. Uh, oh, God, will you? You know why? This is the reason why Bill. <laughs> I think um, other than the playoff game where we only threw the ball like eight times and we ran the ball like 100 times and we beat them 33, I think it was 33 to 14, we beat them. Uh, Other than that, um, the reason he could never just like cover me is because I wasn't just a down-the-field threat. I wasn't just a speed guy. I can line up anywhere on the field and I can run any route. So it's difficult to cover guys like that. If you got a guy, a speed guy, that's just, you know, you know what he's going to run, it's easier to cover a guy like that. But if you got a guy that he runs basically every route in the book, he can and, go and deep. technically sound. Yeah, and technically sound. He can yeah, go can. deep, he can go short. It's harder to cover guys like that. And that's why it made it so difficult to, to kind of game plan against, you know, sort of me and what we like to do as an offense because. We had a few guys that were multiple. Joe Flacco, com- I, this is a remarkable box score. Like this is this is insane. Which one? The, the, the playoff. The, the playoff. Like, yeah. First of all, twenty-four to nothing in the first quarter. Yeah. You guys beat. You guys were up on the Patriots twenty-four to nothing in the first Ooh. quarter of a playoff game in Gillette. That's yeah. insane. First of all, Joe Flacco completed four passes. Yeah. 
I caught one of the four passes. You did? Yes, you one did. of them. Like, Joe, to go into New England, though, and beat the Patriots and Brady with a 24 nothing first quarter and to complete four passes the entire game, mm-hmm. that is remarkable. Yeah. That, that's insane. I think yeah. you, what, he throw the ball like 12 times, something ten, like that? Ten, ten times? times? Four for ten. This is... You guys want to rip on Mariota. How about this for a, uh, a a playoff box score for a win? In a win, 4 for 10, 34 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. That was Joe Flacco's game-winning line. Now, but then we had Ray Rice that Ray, had like 100 and some yards. Ray and, Rice had like an 80-yard touchdown uh-huh. run in the first quarter. He finished with 159 yards and two touchdowns. Wilson McGahee had 20 carries for 60 yards and a touchdown. And LeBron McClain scored a touchdown in that mm-hmm. game rushing the football. Uh, here are the four receptions. Were you guys running the wishbone? Will, Willis McGahee <laughs> had one catch for 13 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Clayton had one catch for 17 yards. You led the team in targets, Derek, with three. Yeah. Uh, one catch for eight yards. Yeah, again, it was a slant. Again, the yard first down. <laughs> uh, how about this, Laurent McClain? One catch, negative four yards. So, so, so Joe Flacco <laughs> completed four passes, and one of them was negative. Yeah, three forward passes were completed for Joe Flacco in that game, and you won thirty-three to fourteen. That is an incredible box score. The, that audio is just going to go down as an all-timer on this show. And uh, actually, will ya? Yeah, management just sent me a text, and I and they said, "Would you please get to break?" So here's my response to management. Just shut the. <laughs> talk after the game. All right. Will ya? Will ya? Oh, my goodness. All right. We will go behind enemy lines with David Newton, who covers the Panthers for ESPN. That's coming up next here on Morning Drive. Oh, f*** you, Mason. Just f*** you. Will ya?